From DS Media Studios in Tema, Ghana, this is Two Peswas. Two Peswas is a weekly podcast where we cover a range of topics, from buzzing media headlines to music to highlights from the week. Each episode is co-hosted by myself, Peaches, and Eddie. Hey guys, it's another week and we're back with another interesting episode. I can't believe that we're almost at the end of the season. Absolutely. Just one more to go. I know, and then we're done. And yeah, I hope you've all been doing well. Without much ado, we're just going to get right. All right. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Okay, so in the news, um, Accra has been named by UNESCO as a world book capital for 2023. So UNESCO is the United Nations Education, Scientific and Cultural Organization, and their World Book Capital Initiative has the aim of encouraging a culture of reading. So they actually open applications. So it's something that you have to, I guess, put in a proposal for, which apparently Accra did, which I'm just like, "Mm, it's a bit suspicious. But anyway, (laughs) that's because I'm very cynical. But anyway. So, uh, yes, Accra will follow Guadalajara, which is going to be the World Book Capital City for 2020. And during the year-long program, it will seek to target marginalized groups with high levels of illiteracy, including women, Mm -hmm. youth, street children, and people with disabilities. So the committee selected Accra for its strong focus on young people and their potential to contribute to the culture and wealth of Ghana. And also it's um, the strong human rights dimension, which aims to raise awareness about freedom of expression and information. So activities for the World Book Capital Year will include the introduction of mobile libraries to reach marginalized groups, um, holding workshops to promote reading and writing, uh, and writing and then books and, and an emphasis on um, creating books in different Ghanaian languages mm-hmm. and also establishing skills and training centers for unemployed youth. Mm-hmm. Right. So on the face of it, I mean, I love it. I love the idea. But of course, again, being the cynic that I am mm-hmm. and having and knowing what these people are up to these days, I just <laughs> have a feeling like it's a weird money grab. Mm-hmm. Like they're just hoping yeah. to get a bit of coin out of UNESCO so they can do like one launch event somewhere mm-hmm. fancy mm-hmm. eat buffets Cut swords and, all those uh-huh. things, and, and then, then just then we'll ne- then we'll the see money. maybe one mobile <laughs> library around in a crowd in a crowd somewhere mm-hmm. and that would be the end of it like mm-hmm. but i mean i hope i hope that they mean it and that they plan to actually do mm-hmm. what they said in the proposal which apparently was very very sexy and Ooh, i'm like because yeah. they're like oh emphasis on human rights i'm like where <laughs> here <laughs> Freedom of information. Words anyhow, like, you know. Since when? When even we over here, people have been like, "Hey, you guys are talking too much." Like, right, right. People are your mom. They're like, "Yes, oh, don't be because you know, you know." Like, it's not people don't feel like they can. Talk. Well, I guess I mean I don't know because they're on the flip side of that, people mm-hmm. like everybody gets on Instagram and just starts talking rubbish. Yeah, so I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah. think, but I don't know. I will. I guess watch with skepticism Mm. but hope Hope, which is what kills you the hope (laughs) (laughs) but anyway that's my (laughs) so my in the news is for those of us who are lactose intolerant are you lactose intolerant very Mm -hmm. but i don't care (laughs) sometimes i just don't care so if you're lactose intolerant there is another plant-based milk out and 
I mean, currently you've got you've got an array of, of you've got choices. this one better not be roaches. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't have even got. I hate cockroaches. So exactly. No. So you've got your oats and your almond and your soy milk and all sorts of things, but um, and it's really great, right? But uh, compared and compared to the carbon footprint of dairy, like regular cow's milk, which is about three kilogram uh, carbon dioxide per liter. Oat milk, for example, has 0.9 and almond milk is at 0.7. So you think that, okay, that's much better, isn't mm-hmm. it? Unfortunately, there are other issues with that. For almond milk, for example, 80% of almonds are grown in California. And if you didn't know, California is known for droughts. Mm-hmm. So that ends up as 120 liters of water used for just, just to make one glass of almond milk. And that is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely not sustainable in the long run. And add to that the carbon footprint of, of of shipping it around the world that makes it even worse. So almond is not necessarily seen as something that is very sustainable, right? Soy milk. So soy milk has a low um, CO2 per kg and also has low water use. However, the Amazon forest is being cleared to make space to grow soy and that is destroying it. That's mm. environmentally, we don't want that. Oat milk milk seems to be the more sustainable of all of them. And however, people are still looking out for other options. And so a Swedish professor, Eva Eva Thornberg, has created milk from potatoes and rapeseed oil. Hmm. (laughs) So from an environmental perspective, this is great because it has a lower carbon footprint than all the others I've mentioned already. And it is twice as, as efficient as growing oats. And uses 56% less water than almond. So all in all, it's a good choice. There have been Amazon reviews on there. People seem to like mm. it. Oh, so yes, it's available. It's already, yeah, it's already available. Yes, you see. can buy it. I'd like to try it. Yeah, yeah. And, but people have said that it splits tea. So if you put it in tea, mm. then it, it But then splits. the other ones, they've said it does that as well. Uh, as well. So, exactly. So that's. I don't think that's... I, I guess if you don't like the texture, it's an issue for you. But if you think of the greater good for all of us, I guess... Potato, um, potato milk might might be the new thing. Yeah, cool. So that's something for you. <laughs> yes, great, excellent. Okay, so now we're on to songs of the week. Okay, so I have three songs this week. No surprise there. <laughs> the first one is called Self Love, and it's by Skills Figure Eight, featuring Black Bones. Drizilic and NM. Hey, you always have these artists that have never heard of. So before. do you. So oh like. <laughs> okay, so Skills Figure Eight's real name is Habib Tamu, and he's a 24-year-old singer, and he is of Sierra Leonean descent, and he was born there, and eventually, after some time, moved to the states, and then finally settled in Ghana, where he has worked on uh, both his debut and subsequent EPs. Um, and then also his debut album, which came out called After Dark, and that's what came out in 2021. So he describes his sound as coastal music, which is an amalgamation of all his musical influences. And uh, yeah, so Self Love is a track on the After Dark album. And then um, Enam is a singer who I've mentioned here yes, before, yes, singer-rapper, yeah, she's gone in. 
Drizilic is a hip-hop artist from Sierra Leone as well. And then Blackbones is a Nigerian rapper and he's signed to 100 Crowns, which is a subprint of Chocolate City Music. A lot of people know Chocolate City because of MI. And then um, 100 Crowns is a subprint label, which is owned by a friend of mine, AQ, who's also an excellent rapper. So shout-outs to him and all the team at 100 Crowns. I was, when I was researching, I was like... I know this hundred pounds. I'm like, wait. So I actually messaged him. I'm like, cue this one of your boys. Anyway, so self-love, it's, I mean, it's super vibely. In fact, the whole um, After Dark album is really cool. It's just a fun, smooth listen. It's got awesome features on it like this. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. So that's my first song there. Second song is called Gallus by Capella Gray. Um, so Capella... <laughs> I'm saying... <laughs> All these new interesting names. (laughs) So Capella Gray is Curtis Jackson II. No relation to 50 Cent. That's not his son, even though 50 Cent is also Curtis Jackson II. Um, He's a 27-year-old singer, rapper, and instrumentalist. He's from New York, but he's of Jamaican heritage. Um, He was raised in church, as a lot of these uh, artists are, and that's where he cultivated his love of music. He learned how to play a multitude of instruments, including drums, piano, and guitar. He produces his own music as well as ghost produces and writes for other artists in the New York area in the meantime, including King Combs, who is Diddy's son. Um, so he put out a debut album in 2020, and then in 2021, he released um, Gyalis as a buzz single, um, just for funsies, more or less. Not expecting it to blow up, but it went super viral. If you're on TikTok and that kind of thing, you probably mm, heard, heard the song, yeah. And so um, that him blowing up off that song actually got him signed to Capitol Records. So he got a deal out of that. And then they re-released the song along with a video um, over the summer. And so Gyalis, if you know your patwa, it's a womanizer. Oh, yes. Yes. So honestly, this is like a complete unadulterated F-boy anthem. Like it's pure nonsense. But the song is so catchy <laughs> that I'm like, you know, it's about how basically he's a gallus and mm-hmm. you can't lock him down and he'd be going, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the lines she took, came back to my crib and then she, I was trying to kick her out and then she was acting like she was asleep. Oh, I mean, pure Lord. nonsense. Lord. But it's a very, 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 I'm ashamed how much <laughs> I love this song. So, yeah, anyway, so that's my second song. Oh, and also samples juveniles back that ass up. I mean, come mm, on. Okay. If you're of a certain age, the minute you hear that doom, doom, like you can't not move. Okay, anyway, so that's my second song. And my third song is kind of a bit of a swerve or maybe not because we do feature some really random songs Mm. on here. Uh, But my third song is Eleanor Rigby by The Beatles. Oh, yes. So, you know, obviously it feels it feels odd to like try and do a whole biography about the Beatles. I mean, they actually are the best-selling artists of all time. So, I feel like either you know them or you don't. So, but yeah, four guys from Liverpool, right? Um Paul McCartney, what was it Ringo Starr, John Lennon, and George Harrison. Um they formed in 1960. Um and basically again, shut down the game. Like mm-hmm. literally the you know they had the whole Brit wave, and again, they were only a band for 10 years and became the best-selling artists of all time, still. 
So that should give you an idea of the impact of the Beatles, right? And they're still popular to this day. Um, they have the most number one albums in the UK still. Uh, they have the most number one Billboard singles still. Uh, the most singles ever sold in the UK still, you know. And uh, more awards than you can count, right? And so they also released 14 albums during that time. So they were extremely pro prolific. And um, also, like, I think three or four movies, um, including Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, which went along with that album, etc., etc., etc. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of people have been like, ah, oh, they're overhyped, right? Because of all this stuff. And I don't know. I actually really enjoy the Beatles music. And I think they were very experimental. I think obviously some of their sound has been accused of being appropriated because mm -hmm. one of their albums, they went to India and mm -hmm. were, you know, what, and so a lot of the, like you hear tablas mm -hmm. and stuff like that in the songs, but it's in the spirit of creative arts, right? Of pushing the sound forward. And I think they very much did that. So I kind of love the Beatles. Okay. So this song now was released in 1966 as part of a double A side with Yellow Submarine. And it's, I think what, first of all, it's very unique. Mm -hmm. Again, the Beatles have always put out extremely unique sounding Sounds, records. Yeah. And this one is about, it talks about loneliness, all just about how they exist in a space of loneliness. So mm -hmm. it's quite moving, but also really cool. And yeah, so that's my third song this mm -hmm. week, Eleanor Rigby by The Beatles. So to go over, I have Self Love by Skills Figure 8 featuring Black Bones, Drizillic, and Enam. Gialis by Capella Gray and then Eleanor Rigby by The Beatles. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I have two songs as usual. <laughs> <laughs> and the first song is a song from Anthony Hamilton. I love, oh, love, 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 love. Yes. Him. And the song is titled I Thought We Were in Love. Uh, so he re recently released an album called Love. Oh, yes. nice. Yes, about um, a few couple of weeks ago. Oh, cool. yeah. And the album is called uh, Love is the New Black and it's a beautiful 14 track album basically like a love poem to the world mm. i would say and when i was listening to the song i thought i could recognize some other song in it so i, I, kept, I kept listening and i'm like no this is something i know and i happen to love teddy pendergrass mm. so of course i could hear that his late you're my you're my latest greatest inspiration that's exactly what you hear when you listen mm. to the song so you've got um, you've got two of your favorite artists, and you hear songs like hear similarities, and I was absolutely blown. I said, oh, "This song I, I am to going to talk ASAP. about." Yes. So you may know Anthony Hamilton probably from his song "Charlene." That's probably one of his most famous songs. He's been nominated for 17 Grammy Awards, and he also started singing in the church like so many others. And he actually joined and sang backup for D'Angelo on the promo of his voodoo. Um, yes, I did not know that. Didn't know that either. But he was, and he was also on two parts Thug's Mansion remix. I love, I love that one. Mm. So yeah, very, very good, very, very, very good. I mean, he's been singing for a long time. He has seven albums to his name, and he's just really a fantastic all-round singer. He's got a very rich voice. Live performances are stunning. Absolutely just... amazing. And so that I thought we were in love from Anthony Hamilton. My second song is a song called Obra, and it's from Nana Kwame and Pedu. Funny he, story, I almost chose that right, because he just passed. Passed away, I, exactly. I almost chose that. Yeah, <laughs> so we've lost a legend. Yeah. Um, Nana Kwame and Pedu was born on uh, 31st March 1945 in the eastern region in a place called Adiemna. 
And in school at the Anglican Middle Boys School was made a chorus, a chorister and also a tune picker. So that's quite interesting. His mm-hmm. music musical career started pretty early. Much later he would meet Eddie Donkor and then they would form the African Brothers Band. Initially they were not given the time of day because they were small boys. You know how mm-hmm. like, oh, these are small boys, so we are not going to listen to them. But then later he met Jerry Hansen from the Rumblers dance band gave him some of his songs to perform the songs did really well and then jerry introduced him to uh phillips west africa recording publishers he recorded two songs they became a hit and it just went up from there so obra is for for those of us who are certain age you know like sunday it's playing in my right, head right, right now. <laughs> so sunday evening you've got your obra or the, 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 it was a um, tv was a, show a tv yeah. show called obra so you're sitting there that's the tune that plays when it starts and, and you know it's, right, it's time to start thinking about school or whatever Listen, the next exactly, day because <laughs> next day you're going to school right and so that's O'Brien, a really beautiful song and apparently he also composed a song for the for NDC party mm-hmm. in 1992 he's got over 800 songs under his Crazy. belt um, he was a nationwide uh, music, he won the nationwide music composer in 1973 oh, wow. and was crowned singer in chief and he also helped set up the Copyright Society of Ghana. So he actually did a lot for him. May he rest in peace. Indeed. Obra is a beautiful, beautiful song. I really, really love it. And that is my second song. Wonderful. So two songs, just to recap. Anthony Hamilton, I Thought We Were In Love. And Nana Kwame and Pidu with Obra. Wonderful. <laughs> and uh, as you can hear, our third co-host is back again. The- <laughs> the chicken um so please excuse us and him yeah he uh, just wants to be a part of he, this yes show. wants attention so badly mm-hmm. must be a gen, gen z chicken <laughs> <laughs> so before we continue on with the show i just wanted to let you know about a wonderful opportunity that we have for our listeners thanks to our partners at Sendwave. So SendWave is an app that allows you to quickly and conveniently send money from the U.S., the U.K., and parts of EU to Ghana and also other African countries. It's completely free to use and very secure. And I know this because I have received money through SendWave myself. With SendWave, you can send mobile money to networks as well as directly to bank accounts and still at no cost. Just search for SendWave in the Google Play Store or the App Store, and when you see a penguin waving, you know you're on the right track. Once you download it, it takes only five minutes to set up and start sending. No matter how much or little you send, it's always free. Sounds great, right? Well, it gets even better. When you use our promo code to PESWAS, you'll get either $10, £10, or €10, depending on your location, towards your first transfer. And who doesn't like free money? All the information you need will be in the description box, as well as a link to a video of us walking you through the setup process. And now back to the show. Okay, so on to what the F this week, and it is on garden hermits. Okay, so yes, if when you think of a garden hermit, the first thing that comes to mind is probably a garden gnome which is a small figurine usually of some kind of, well, a gnome Mm. or an old person that you buy and stick in your garden as part of the decor. Okay. Well, what you didn't know is that it has a really wacky and somewhat creepy history to it. So in Victorian England, which would be the 18th and 19th century or during the reign of Queen Victoria, it became fashionable for wealthy landowners to build 
hermitages as part of the landscape art in their garden. Mm -hmm. Now, a hermitage is a dwelling place for a hermit or a recluse, but also a place for religious seclusion um, to where you can go and, I guess, pray in mm -hmm. isolation and whatnot. Um, and it, they go back to Roman times where apparently some popes actually did build hermitages where they would go and seclude themselves for prayers and so on and so forth. But the British, um, in this case, um, sort of use it in the sense of a place where a recluse or hermit lives. So what they would do is build small cottages, sometimes designed design to look like caves or grottos mm -hmm. um, as part of like landscapes for their, you know, massive glorious gardens. Well, so apparently they thought that wasn't enough of a flex, right? So <laughs> what they did was they soon began to hire real people, usually, well, always men, mostly agriculture workers, mm -hmm. to actually take up residence in these small cottages and hermitages uh -huh. um, and basically play hermits in what? this. Yes. <laughs> so that's where a garden hermit comes in. So um, one Professor Campbell, Gordon Campbell of Leicester University, so shout out to my alma mater, <laughs> wrote a book on hermits and cited a real newspaper ad from 1797 that said the hermit was to be employed for a period of seven years. During that time, he was not allowed to leave the hermitage. He was not allowed to speak to anyone. He was to wear robes that a druid would wear. So like, you know, long, flowy, traditional robes. And he was not to bathe or cut his hair or nails during that seven-year period. So you were supposed to literally look like, you know, like one of these fairy tales, the old man in the woods. Yes. And so they had different, you know, different expectations. Some didn't allow their hermits to wear shoes as well. But then you had some who expected that their hermits would memorize poetry or songs so that to entertain guests where they're like, oh yeah, we have a hermit, come see. Oh, and then it, when you walk down there, then he like sings you a song or something. Oh, so, you know. <laughs> yes. So eventually, and I would say thankfully, hermit hermitages fell out of fashion along with the garden hermits that went along with them. Mm. And what was left became a figurine that was right. symbolic of a time when you literally paid someone to live in your garden. I mean, I feel like this is an example of like ridiculous excess yeah. and treating poor people, people like yeah, accessories but then of course during the victorian era it was beginning to be the beginning of the industrial revolution so you had you know serious um rural urban migration the kind of stuff we deal with now mm -hmm. where people moved en masse and then they were in slums and then food insecurity the high right, rate you know right. so some people were like listen i don't it's even i'm homeless probably, yeah. so mm -hmm. It's better than nothing, but I just thought it was really crazy and kind of creepy. So it yeah, that's, that's an interesting story. Yeah. Okay. Right. So in my what the f today, we're talking about a police officer and the abuse of power. Hmm. So a police officer has been remanded for having sex with a woman who had been held in cells, and he allegedly released her in exchange for sex. Now, absolutely, I was I was so furious when I read the story. So the woman had been convicted of stealing and was waiting to be sentenced. And then a certain Lance Corporal Apoma. Uh, oh, this is Ghana. This is, oh yeah, this is, sorry, yeah, this is Ghana. Huh. He gave the woman two sachets of, I think it was coconut water to drink. 
then he coerced her and and tricked her into believing that the, de- the detective who was working on her case wasn't a nice man and so she would be in trouble and so she she should have sex with him mm-hmm. so that he would let her go so she agreed once they were done he opened the cell for her to take a shower and then he put her, her things in front of the police station i guess and then told her to run now once she got home she went to her father-in-law and then told him what had happened so mm-hmm. he of course he went back and reported the incident to another police father-in-law. station so yes. this is a married woman then yes that's exactly what i thought too. Oh so this woman was married so he reported the incident to uh, some police station and then theresa was rearrested and then handed over to the original the original police station where she was the lance corporal of course was charged with rape and aiding uh, the escape of a convict Again, you have these issues of people in power abusing their power. Like, what, what, like what, how is this constantly. okay? How is this okay? You, a policeman. So what has happened to him? Because we know we he, love transferring people instead of Exactly. I, I think he's he's meant to come to court again for something. I'm not quite sure what, what happened to him. Um, I yeah, hope they keep 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 on it and don't let him mm, just skate. He's, he's going to be transferred. That's exactly what's going to happen. Transferred to another place and probably going to do it there and then get away with it. We, we're also not helping by transferring mm-hmm. these people. He should be no, in jail. No, you should. Yes, exactly. And I'm actually happy that he was he was he was charged for rape. I know because that, that in itself is not even like they could have just brushed it all under the under right, the rug. Right. Which... Absolutely ridiculous. He should be oh, ashamed dear. of himself. Disgusting. No, no, really, really. Yeah, okay. so that's <laughs> All right, so moving on to two plastic All right, so you may you probably have already seen the title of the of my two passwords, and it's called Barbara and Joe. So you're probably like, who? Hmm. Yeah, Barbara yeah. Bush and then like Joe? Like who the hell are you talking Joe about? Biden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barbara and Joe are the embodiment of two faces of a relationship coin so you have barbara the builder and joe potter (laughs) so i'm going to explain so who is barbara the builder well barbara the builder is a female version of bob the builder who you know well you may not know we're grown but if you have kids or you know bob the builder which is a british cartoon you know who that is Barbara is the woman who answers the call anytime she sees a man talking about he's some he's looking for someone to build oh, with okay. or who will build him up. Mm. And um, she's there like, pick me, please. <laughs> I will build you because oh I'm Barbara the Builder. Okay. Lord. And usually, in my experience, anytime a man is talking about he's looking for somebody to build him up or build with, what he's really saying is, I have nothing, or I'm not on your level, mm. or I know you can do better, mm. but please deal with me, support me, help me, give me somewhere to stay whilst I sort myself out, however mm. long that takes. Well, then on the other side, you have Joe Potet. Now, my friend <laughs> laughed at me when I, when I, when I said, because I was like, I, I didn't create this mm. term. And she's like, you're a Bush girl. Like, where did you get that from? <laughs> so Joe Potet is basically Joe Potential. Potential. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Joe Potet is the guy who is clearly going places, mm-hmm. but hasn't gotten there yet. But you see the path ahead, right? And that's how he's different from the uh, project managers or building managers mm-hmm. over there looking for people to come and build for them, right? right. Um, in that one case, you can see the trajectory in the other you can't right 
So the question today is, should you ever be a barber the builder or should you date a Joe Potter? Mm. Well, I can tell you right now, spoiler alert, I don't know. I can't say, but I know I do have some things here that are worth considering Ooh, yeah. whilst you make that Let's decision. Hear it. Right. <laughs> um, so the first thing, obviously, which I already touched on slightly, is that there's a difference between being supportive and being a mason, mm. right? There's a difference between understanding your Joe Potter's goals and dreams and offering suggestions or even motivation to help him attain said goals versus having a man who doesn't even know what he wants yet or he has some unrealistic goal like you know he wants to be a basketball player but he's mm. five foot nine mm. and his jump shot is ass right mm. something like that um so you the first thing is to understand what you're dealing with is this a joe potter or is this one of them building project managers mm. who is looking for somebody to that he's going to lean on yeah i would take advantage of or take advantage of we've all heard the term hobo well not all homosexual Mm. somebody who will date anyone just for a place to stay right so know who you're know who you're dealing with would be my first suggestion right um the second thing i would say is that age is a factor in both cases the older you get the less acceptable either scenario is right Mm. so for example when you're 20 it's perfectly acceptable to date either a joe potter or one of these looking for a builder type somebody who is looking for a mason right so let's you know presume that you go on the normal track high school university la 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 right so you're in university Joe Potter is in university. In fact, you are Josephine potential yourself. He's Joseph. You're (laughs) Josephine. You're all moving. You're probably a broke student, but no problem because you both on a trajectory, right? Now, if you're Barbara the Builder, it's possible that you're still in university. Maybe your man decided he's going to work at home on becoming a music producer or whatever it is. So he's not going to university, right? So he's at home playing around on Fruity Loops, talking about he's about to have a big hit soon. And that's fine. Like, again, when you're in university, maybe this was your high school boo or whatever it is. Yeah. That scenario is almost borderline romantic. Oh, yeah, you know, he's a starving artist and I'm working to, you know, we're all working towards our goals. However, the minute you leave university and enter the workplace, this is when, you know, the, 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 distinctions start to appear where when you are clocking in nine to five busting your ass whatever and your dude is 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 you know up till 4 a.m so Mm. he sleeps all day because he's like you know i've been working on beats or whatever it is it starts to get a little grating Mm. right so that is where it being a barber the builder over the age of let's say 25 26 Mm. is probably a no-no literally now, if you're if it's a Joe potential situation, you actually have much longer. Like Joe Potes have about ten more years mm. than these, you know, looking for a Mason types to get to because you're like, okay, we all know, you know, success takes time. Mm. He went to get his first degree. Maybe he's going to get a master's degree. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But then, even then, by the time let's say you're forty, because we've grown over here. Mm. Like I'm about to be forty. Mm. D- now dating a Joe, I mean, 
let's put it this way. Your potential should be have been achieved or maybe like we should see that you're almost there. there you can't yeah. still be on the same potential trajectory mm. as a 20 something year old. Mm-hmm. So again, age is a factor in both scenarios. Joe Potez have up to maybe 40 and then you're kind of side eyeing the situation. Mm, like, like you still exactly. Like, Whereas one of these come build me up types, I would cut them loose at 25, 26 max. Mm. So again, that's another thing to consider. Third point to consider, there is no trophy for separation. This is something I'm... (laughs) This is a hill I will die on, okay? Like, in either case, whether it is a come build me, I'm looking for a mason, or it is a Joe Potter, there will always be somebody who has already achieved their potential, who already knows what they want, who have already attained their, who are doing it for themselves, and who can do it for you too, right? Now, women, a lot of women, are, we are expected to date on a basis of hypergamy, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to, which basically means you're always supposed to date up. You're supposed to d- be with somebody who has more money than mm-hmm. you. If you're on one level of success, you're supposed to be with somebody who's on a, a higher level of success. If education should be more educated than you, so on and so forth. Personally, I'm not that extreme. Mm-mm. I feel like when you reach a certain level of self-accomplishment or the higher level of accomplishment you attain independently, mm-hmm. it becomes less important Absolutely. and also more difficult because if you've worked and you're a CEO, then it's left with dating Elon Musk or exactly. the president. Exactly. Or like, who are you going to, going to yeah, date? Yeah. So I feel like, but my personal philosophy is always date your equal. I feel like mm-hmm. you're equal and that doesn't necessarily really always have to be financial yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. or financial or whatever. Yeah. Always date your equal. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you to date down though. That ain't going to be me. <laughs> Somebody else can do that, but not me. <laughs> okay. And my last point is know your man, know who you're dealing with. And I'm going to give you practical examples here in a tale of two different Joe Potez, one of which went terribly wrong and one of which didn't. Okay. So you may have heard of Betty Broderick. In fact, she was in the news again recently because she's up for parole, which gives you an indication of just how wrong things went in that scenario. Um, she met her future husband at university and, um, he was doing a degree in medicine. She was doing a degree in education after university, they got married and had five kids. And once, and so during that time, she was the main breadwinner. She was working as a teacher and then she was doing, selling Avon on the side, selling Tupperware as well, mm-hmm. anything she could to make ends meet. Cause now they have this gang of kids and her husband is still a student, but he's a Joe Potet. No problem. <laughs> right. Well, so he finishes med school now and then decides actually he'd like to be a lawyer as well. So she's like, okay, all right, cool. No problems. And so he went to law school. And then, of course, again, she continued to support the family for those years. So then he finally finishes. Now he's a doctor and another doctor because doctor, a JD and a law, a medical degree. Um, so he finally starts working. He opens up a law firm. They finally get the dream house. They're living the dream life. Well, it didn't take long before he decided to, to hire an assistant at his law firm who was 21 year old. And blonde. And, you know, this was in 1982. By 1985, he announced that he was leaving Betty. So, yes. Now, again, because he was a lawyer, 
Um, in the divorce case, she was not able to get, I guess, appropriate representation because all the good lawyers basically knew him or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or were like, eh, don't want to go up against him. Mm-hmm. So she lost the house. She was tossed out. She lost custody of her children. And she ended up a middle-aged woman with nothing, nothing to show for all the time she invested, all the years she supported this man, so on and so forth. Well, as you may or may not imagine, she snapped. Mm -hmm. So in 1989, just days before her 42nd birthday, she broke into the house she used to live in and shot her husband, her ex-husband and his new wife in their sleep. And she said she she actually stole one of her daughter's keys, whole wow. house keys, uh, to do it. So, and on the so that's one case where, despite the fact that they're Joe potential, and you think you're both striving mm. towards a common goal, there's no guarantee that when that goal is attained, you'll be the one to live Dude. in glory. Okay, yeah. oh. you might get replaced for a younger, hotter model of yourself. Then, on the other hand, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is my shero. Love her former Supreme Court justice, now living in the upper room because she passed away. <laughs> yeah, she, did. she also had a Joe Poten- sh- the Joe Potential situation with her husband, Marty. So they met very young. They dated through college. They married before they actually both proceeded to law school. Um, and then by time, so at one point she was a stu- law student. He was a law student. They had children. So she was a mother working, trying to support that finish her education, so on and so forth. And, you know, so they struggled a lot in the early days. And even he even developed cancer. So at one point she was working and looking after her husband with cancer and still being a mother. Um, but through it all, everybody who knows them has said that through the end, they were a dream team and their love lasted till his last day because he passed from cancer before she did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was her number one cheerleader because mm-hmm. arguably his her um, career eclipsed his. Even though he was a successful taxation lawyer, she was, you know, a flipping su- Supreme Court justice. So, you know, and had broken so many barriers. First uh, woman as chair president of the law review or all sorts mm-hmm. of things. And he was always in her corner saying, my wife is the best person here. She's better than all you guys. Pick her, pick her, pick her. And so there you have two scenarios. Nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. What do I know? Maybe your aspiring rapper will finally blow up and you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get to ball out with him there. Who knows? But there are certain things to consider. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. I like it. I All right. Like it. Okay. So in my two perspectives, we're going to be talking about English words that, oh no, we're going to be talking about words that don't have an English translation, so to speak. And the first one is Frühjahrsmüdigkeit, and that's German. Frühjahr means spring and Müdigkeit means tiredness. So it's basically mm. referring to the time when it's getting to spring or fall. The weather gets darker quickly and some people suffer from, I guess you would call it spring lethargy mm-hmm. or just really d- depression. It's called being over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, where's the summer? What's happening now? The second one is Yaberni. Ya it's Arabic. I'm sure I'm really? totally, totally mispronouncing that. But it is a declaration that you will die before another person because you can't bear not to live uh, to live without. Look at them. I know, right? Romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so it means you bury me or may you bury me. So. I see. And it's, it's, I guess it's typically a phrase uh, for parents towards their, their, mm-hmm. their children. So that's, well, that's quite that interesting. that would make sense, mm-hmm. yes. A third one is commovere, and that's Italian. And it's a heartwarming story that moves you to tears. Oh. 
The fourth one is another one German called Kummerspeck. And it literally means grief bacon. So uh, mm. it refers to the weight that you gain when you're sad or depressed. You know how sometimes you're... You just eat your just, feelings. Yeah, exactly. You just want to eat, 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 eat. The next one is Mamihla Pinatapai. And it's Yagan. And it's the wordless, meaningful look shared by two people who want, both want to initiate something, but none of them wants to, um, none of them wants to start. So there's actually a term for it. And this term, this word is actually in the Guinness Book of Records for the most succinct word. So hmm. that, that's something, that's something. The next one is a Thai word and it's called Greng Jai. And it's the feeling of needing to ask someone for help, but feeling bad that you're going to ask them for help. Now, this is a, this is one like, oh, <laughs> that's a common emotion. Yes. And also the a fearing, a fearing that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. The next one is Inuit and it's Iktswapok. And it's the feeling of anticipation when you're waiting for somebody to show up. So you keep checking to see whether they've come. And I've, I've definitely got that. Like you're waiting for yes. somebody, they're not coming and you're like, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> The next one is Norwegian and it's called Palek and it's used to describe anything that you'd put on a sandwich. Hmm. So there's a, actually a word for that. The last one that I have for you is Koi no Yokan and it's Japanese and it's the feeling of meeting someone and knowing it's inevitable that you're going to fall in love with the person. How <laughs> oh, cute. Yes, or also the premonition of love. I think that's, that's so cute. Yes, that's so and cute. you know, I mean, of course, words bare meaning but also i think the beautiful thing about this is words give you an an insight into people's cultural lives that these emotions are so important to them that they've created words for them so you know who's romantic and and dramatic emotionally (laughs) dramatic people like okay um so yeah that's awesome and there's a whole list of that yes possibly couldn't do everything but then there's a few you can look them up really really nice i absolutely one of my first favorite german loan words is schnadenfreude oh yeah because i'm a petty i'm yeah. a petty i'm so petty right so uh schnadenfreude is something i'm just like mm-hmm. <laughs> sipping as you destroy yourself like mm-hmm. yeah and then there's sonder do you know sonder, sonder is um what is it i think it is i'm um, now that i've said it and now i don't remember it's the emotion you get from observing people and understanding that they have complete lives like you people watch and then you realize that wow this person has an entire Mm, existence or whatever mm, it is mm. anyway so yeah yeah so that's that's that's, yes okay awesome that's so cool and she said it's not exciting (laughs) (laughs) right so that's my two pairs and that's it for today see ya Bye. bye if you enjoyed the episode and you're listening to us on any of our platforms please give us a thumbs up Remember to subscribe and we'd also love for you to share this episode with your friends. Let's continue the conversation. We'd like to hear your feedback. Information on how to reach us on our website can be found in the description.